0: podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose.
1: It's been a tough morning, it's been a tough week uh, for me personally, but I know that I'm not the only one and that we all go through things and we're all going to go through things because we still live here on earth. So I'm going to do my best to get through this, so just kind of bear with me. i got a lot to get through, and we went a little long because usually when I ask to do the message, we do a few more songs than we normally do. I appreciate the worship team and for putting up with me and asking for so many songs. Actually, there was a couple more that got booted, but <laughs> so it would have been even longer, so it's probably a good thing. So this morning I want to talk about holding on to our faith during difficult times. Now I know, for the most part, if you've heard me speak before, it's typically when um, I'm I've gone through something, or going through something, or got over something, and that's kind of always been the foundation of a message that I give. Well, this morning, um, it's a combination of all three, because <laughs> you know things just keep coming. You know, the world is the world, and you know. We live in a sinful world, so we're all gonna deal with it. So please don't think this is about me, because it's not. I'm just like everyone else, we all go through things and we all gotta battle through um, the uh, struggles of life. But hopefully this morning, um, after we get to the end of this, that it will impact you and impact me on how we can best deal with this, or whatever struggles you may be going through, even if you're not now. As we always say, it's a guarantee that you will. It's just that's just life. I heard a story recently about a little boy who wanted to wash his cat. The little boy went to the store and bought some Tide detergent. The cashier said to the boy, "It's nice of you to run errands for your parents. Do you do the laundry at your little ho- at your house?" The little boy said, "I'm not doing laundry. I'm washing my cat." The cashier explained to the boy that tide was not good for washing cats, but the boy refused to listen. The next time the boy came to the store, the cashier asked him, How's your cat? The boy hung his head in sadness and he said, My cat died. The cashier said, I'm sorry to hear that your cat died. Did it die from the tide you washed it with? The little boy said, No, I don't think it was the tide that killed my cat, it was the spin cycle. We are constantly, because of the world we live in, bombarded with problems. Sometimes they come in waves. It can feel like a spin cycle, like we're the cat in the spin cycle. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because I know the answer to this question is yes, that we all go through those things. See, the spin cycle killed the cat, and the spin cycle can kill people too. The spin cycle can kill us quickly, like a heart attack, or the spin cycle can kill us slowly by, slowly, by slowly sucking the life out of us until we become joyless, defeated zombies. Now I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but I know I have. When life is like a spin cycle, or when a specific major crisis strikes, Psalms 37 provides God-given wisdom and a plan for experiencing the peace that passes all understanding and supernatural peace that transcends circumstances. I'm going to be reading the first seven verses of Psalm 37, so if you want to turn there. It's going to be 1 through 7a. If you don't have your Bibles, that's all right. The supernatural peace that God offers can help us cope with our current crisis regardless of what it looks like. Whether we are dealing with relationship problems health problems, finances, or whatever the case may be, we have nothing to fear because God is in control. Psalms 37, do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. And enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn. Your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Have you ever asked the question of oh God... Why are you allowing me or my loved ones to suffer? I think we've all been there. If you've ever gone through some type of emotional, spiritual, or physical pain, then the chances are you've asked that question. The question went through the minds of Daryl and Clarita Gustafson. This God-loving, dedicated Christian couple was infertile for many years, despite exhaustive medical tests and procedures. They prayed consistently for God to grant them the privilege of bringing a child into the world. But the heavens were silent and the womb remained barren. Then one day it happened. Clarita discovered that she was pregnant. God had spoken at last. A healthy baby boy was born seven months later and he was named Aaron after Moses' brother. The child was their pride and joy. When Aaron was three years old, however, he was diagnosed as having a very dangerous form of cancer. What followed were ten months of painful chemotherapy and radiation treatments. Despite all the efforts to arrest the disease, Aaron's little body continued to deteriorate. Despite many prayers and countless tears, Aaron went on to be with the Lord at the age of four. And so we asked the question that I'm sure Daryl and Clarita had in their mind. Why did you allow this precious child to suffer? In the Bible, there are many reasons why we experience pain and suffering. One, it's because it's the nature of sin. It's a natural thing. We live in a sinful world. we were always sad. We suffer so that our character may be built up. And sometimes it's hard for us to realize that, especially in the midst of the storm. We may suffer because God is showcasing us to Satan like he did with Job, but the message I want to talk about this morning is not geared around why we suffer, but how we can handle it. Some of you may know that last month um, I found out about a health issue, and it was, it's serious, and it remains serious. There was tests done, all this stuff, and you know how things work in the medical field. Things take forever. So the first, for, from the start to about three weeks into this whole thing, I had no idea exactly what was going on. I asked the doctor when I got some of the test results back, is this, is this something I need to talk about with April? I said, do I need to sit down and start making some plans and writing some stuff out? <laughs> you know, is this it? And the response was, I don't know. So another week went by and then got the results. And thank God, it's still serious, but there's still things that can be done that um, uh, I can get through. And it's not going to be, it'll be tough, but not something that can't be overcome. Um, Some of you probably saw my post on Facebook uh, about a week ago where I had an MRI. And uh, I posted what I thought was was funny and some people kind of weren't a little worried about it, I guess, maybe. Because I was, I, was, I was entering the tube if you didn't see my Facebook post, as I'm going in there, they play music. So I'm like th- or I'm like this because my shoulders won't fit in, this, in the scanner. He's got my headphones on, and he's playing Pandora, and the song that plays, the first song that comes on, is "Highway to Hell" by ACDC. <laughs> I'm like, what does this mean? So anyway, so I go through that, and you, know, I get some of the results back, and, of course. Nowadays, everything is sent through a portal, and you've got to read it on the portal. I'm like, it's like I was talking to Will, and it's like, I have no idea what this stuff means. Well, Friday, I got a call from my doctor, and it was not great. The news was not great. I'm not Like I said, I'm not going to make this about me. I'm just going to get past this real quick. I'm saying that to say this, that even though the news was not great, it's still not life-ending, but it can be. If it's not treated, I just want to say that just because we went through in July, it seemed like we had gotten past what we thought we were going to get past. I got that phone call and it was like, God is saying, you still need to focus on me. Because when the news came about the good news came earlier in July, it was kind of like, take a deep breath and kind of like, I'm going back to doing my thing. I'm going back to, you know, okay, I'm good. I got this. All things are good. I'll be able to do this, this, and this. And it's all going to be fine. And I think, for me, at least, my illustration is this is that, um, you know, God is constantly working on us to uh, make sure that we depend on Him in times of crisis and circumstance. And I likened it to, as I was preparing this, I'm like, you know, He's saying, I'm not through with you yet. But I'm one of those people that when the alarm goes off in the morning, snooze button i'm just saying god just five more minutes and i'll get up and i'll be fine i'll do what you want me to do and you know i hit the snooze button and then god's like no more snooze button get your butt out of bed i don't know if i could say butt in church but i did twice (laughs) so anyway so this morning i want to talk about three crucial principles as well as um, some other steps that we can we should reflect on when we are suffering physically emotionally or spiritually First, during our times of suffering, God is near even when he seems far away. When we experience difficult trials and tribulations, we normally pray to God and ask him for immediate relief. However, as we all know, God answers prayer in his own time, which is never our time, so we may not receive immediate help from him. We may go through many days, weeks, months, or even years of trying times. And after suffering a while, we start wondering why God hasn't intervened. We begin questioning ourselves, what have I done to deserve this? And then we begin to question whether God even cares. We feel as though God has abandoned us and that he is nowhere to be found. We feel alone and isolated from God. And you don't need to show your hands, have you ever felt this way? before in the Bible many great men of God experienced these types of emotions David was one of them Um, he experienced uh, isolation and fear when he was running for his life from King Saul in Psalm 13 1 David cried out to God and said how long O Lord will you forget me forever how long will you hide your face from me And if we read the rest of Psalms, you'll realize that David, who was obedient to God, who had the heart of God, believed that God was not with him during his time of intense trials. He felt isolated. Job, I think we all know the story of Job, lost everything. His children, his wealth, his servants, his reputation, his friends, and experienced despair and isolation. Um, You don't need to turn to it. I'm just going to read Job 23. Verses 1 through 9. Even today my complaint is bitter. His hand is heavy despite my groaning. If only I knew where to find him. If only I could go to his dwelling. I would state my case before him, Fill my mouth and fill my mouth with arguments. I would find out what he would answer me and consider what he would say to me. Would he vigorously oppose me? No, he would not press charges against me. There, the upright can establish their innocence before him, and there I would be delivered forever from my judge. But if I go to the east, he is not there. If I go to the west, I do not find him. When he is at work in the north, I do not see him. It is common when we go through trials and tribulation. And it's natural to feel isolated from God when we experience difficult times. However, the Bible assures us that God is present even when he seems far away. Even when God seems a thousand miles away and uninterested in our affairs, he is with us step by step during difficult times. A great illustration of this um, is uh, in Luke 24, 13 through 35, and if you want to turn it you can. Um, it's, it's talking about, well, I'll just, I'll just read it. It's on the road to Emmaus. <clears throat> Excuse me, Emmaus. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus, came, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas or Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. He said to them, how foolish you are, how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So when he went in to stay with them, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up at once and returned to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized when He broke the bread. In this passage, two of Jesus' disciples are walking toward the village of Emmaus. They just came from Jerusalem and undoubtedly very upset, depressed, because they witnessed the crucifixion of Jesus. They were not only discouraged because Jesus was dead, but also because it was the third day and they hoped that Jesus would have been raised from the dead, as as the Lord had promised. They had given up hope on Jesus' resurrection and decided to head home, back to their old way of life. These men were most certainly experiencing emotional and spiritual pain because of Jesus' death, but did not know that Jesus was walking right along with them the whole time. During their time of anguish, Jesus was next to their side. If we are faithful, God is walking right along with us, especially during our times of suffering. Even when we feel isolated, he has not abandoned us, for we are his children and he loves and cares for us. We must realize that he is watching over us and is doing what is best for us. 1 Peter 5:7 tells us cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. When we suffer, We feel isolated from God, but the reality is that God is with us step by step, and that is very encouraging news. God does not leave us in our time of suffering. As I'm prone to do now, I like to show video clips. This first one is, I'm gonna go go quick. I apologize because we are running long. This is from the movie Facing the Giants. Coach Taylor, um, his wife, they're they're having problems. She can't get pregnant. His job is tanking. The team is tanking. The school is tanking. Everything. He decides he needs to do something, and this is what we need to do. This is what I need to do. Is exactly what he does
0: right here. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God and whom I trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be safe from my enemies. Lord Jesus, would you help me? I need you. Lord, I feel like there's giants of fear and failure just staring down at me, waiting to crush me. And I don't know how to beat them, Lord. I'm tired of being afraid. Lord, if you want me to do something else, show me. If you don't want me to have children, so be it. But you're my God. You're on the throne. You're going to have my hopes and my dreams. Lord, give me something. Show me something. Lord never gives us children. Will you still love him?
1: Obviously, you know, at least for, for me, I don't ask the question if, if the Lord is going to give April and I children will I still love him, because that's kind of past. But you can ask God, you can ask that same question of yourself in whatever your circumstances is, regardless if you don't get that job, if that relationship doesn't work out, if your health doesn't improve. Are you still going to love him? And that's a question we need to ask ourselves. Second thing is God's timing is perfect with his assistance even when he appears catastrophically late. When we suffer, we naturally want God to immediately take away our pain. But sometimes he can be agonizingly slow in solving the problems that we bring to his attention. But even though at times God seems to be late in his assistance, I would like to say, his timing is always perfect. So let me illustrate this by looking at the story of Mary, Martha, and their brother, Lazarus, as told in John 11. The members of this little family were among Jesus' closest friends during the time uh, of Jesus' earthly ministry. In verse 5, uh, it says, Jesus loved Martha, Mary, or, uh, loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus, sister meaning Mary, On one day, Lazarus became very ill, almost to the point of death, so his sisters did the logical thing. They sent an urgent note to Jesus, saying, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, they had every reason to believe that he would immediately respond. He loved Lazarus. However, days had passed before Jesus finally made it to Lazarus, and by that time, it was too late. He had already died. On Jesus' arrival, we read that Martha came to Jesus and said, If you had been here... My brother would not have died. Do you think that Martha could have been a bit discouraged? Maybe even a little bit upset? Could she have been annoyed when he showed up because she expected Jesus to be there for them? She may have been tempted to say, where have you been? You're too late now. You could have saved him, but apparently there were more important things on your mind. Boy, what a thought to think that we can question God like that or should question God like that. Who are we to do that? Do we at times get angry at God because of his delayed timing? In verse 43, Jesus performed one of his most dramatic miracles as he called Lazarus out of the tomb. You see, Jesus was not late at all. He only appeared to be overdue. He arrived at the precise moment necessary to fulfill the promises of God, just as he always does. God's promise was fulfilled through Lazarus. Verse 45 says we read that many Jews, because of what they had seen, put their faith in Jesus. So not only was Lazarus raised from the dead, many people came to Christ because of what happened. So his timing was perfect, even though it wasn't their timing. And that's what matters the most. God is never late when it comes to handling our painful situations. He is always on time. His time and not our time. When we suffer, there is a possibility that God is allowing us to go through it, whatever it is for his purpose and for our own good. Romans 5, 3-4 says we, uh, that suffering will build our character. Suffering makes us stronger and better Christians. Of course, I just summarized that. Our suffering may be necessary for our own good, and that is really hard for us to get. One time, a man found a cocoon of an imper moth and took it home so he could watch the moth come out of the cocoon. One day, a small opening appeared. The man sat and watched the moth for several hours as it struggled to force its body through that little hole. Then it seemed to stop stopped making progress. To the man, it appeared as if the moth had gotten as far as it could get in breaking out of the cocoon, and it was stuck. Out of kindness, the man decided to help the moth. He took a pair of scissors and snipped off the remaining bit of the cocoon so that the moth could get out. Soon the moth emerged, but had a swollen body and small, shriveled wings. The man continued to watch the moth, expecting that in in time that the wings would enlarge and expand, be able to support the body, which would simultaneously contract to its proper size. Neither happened. In fact, the little moth spent the rest of its life crawling around with a swollen body and shriveled wings, and it was never able to fly. The man, in his kindness, didn't understand that restricting the cocoon and the struggling required for the moth to get through the tiny opening were God's way of forcing the fluid into the body uh, of the, uh, the wings so that the moth would be ready for flight once it achieved its freedom from the cocoon. Just as the moth could not only achieve freedom and flight because of struggling, we often need to struggle to become all that God intends us to be. Sometimes we wish that God would remove the struggles and take away the obstacles. But just as the man who uh, crippled the (coughs) emperor moth, so would we be crippled if God did that. For us. God doesn't take away our problems and difficulties, but he does promise to be with us during them and to use them to restore us, making us into better, stronger people. Lastly during our times of suffering the most important thing to do is keep our faith and trust in God. When job lost his sons, his daughters, wealth and his servants and was stricken with painful sores that spans throughout his body, it would have been easy for him. Blame God and to abandon his faith. However, the Bible says that Job fell to the ground and worshiped God. He held on to his faith in God even though his life was full of pain and agony. And to throw on there, even his wife told him to curse God and die. When we go through tough times, the most important thing for us to do is to keep our faith in God. Faith is important. Hebrews 11.6, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he is, and that he exists, and he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. We must never give up on God and our faith just because we go through suffering situations. We must be faithful even to the point of death. And the Bible says that Jesus will give us the crown of life. We should have the kind of faith that a minister had when he found out that he had cancer and only a few months to live. Instead of being angry with God and giving up on his faith, I want you to notice the kind of attitude that he exhibited towards God. On his final Sunday in his church, he preached a sermon and talked openly about his impending death. He said, some of you have asked me if I am mad at God for this disease that has taken over my body. I'll tell you honestly that I have nothing but love in my heart for my Lord. He didn't do this to me. We live in a sinful world where sickness and death are the curse of man, or there's the curse that man has brought on himself. And I'm going to a better place where there'll be no more tears, no suffering, and no heartache. So don't feel bad for me, besides our Lord suffered and died for our sins. Why should I not share in His suffering? He he began to sing in an old, broken voice. Must Jesus bear the cross alone, and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone, and there's a cross for me. How happy are the saints above, who once were sorrowing here, but now they taste unmingled love and joy, without a tear. They consecrated the consecrated cross I'll bear, till death shall set me free. And then go home my crown to wear, for there's a crown for me. His words that morning was his last from the pulpit. He slipped into eternity a few days later. This is the kind of faith that we are to have, the kind of faith that loves God regardless of trials and tribulations that we face. Seven quick steps that I want to get through real quick before we finish up um, in going through and dealing with our circumstances. One, don't fret. Fretting or worrying is a sin. It's a sin because God command us not to do it. Fretting or worrying is a choice. We cannot control what thoughts enter our minds, but we can control which thoughts that we dwell on. Step two and three, trust in the Lord and do good. These two steps are inseparable. Neither can exist without the other. Faith and trust are verbs. Faith and trust are a lifestyle that involve action. Real faith also, or excuse me, always includes obedience, and obedience includes doing the good things God commands. That is why trusting God and doing good cannot be separated. Number four, delight yourself in the Lord. When we delight in God, we desire increased intimacy with him, and God is happy to fulfill the desire for increased intimacy with himself. Number five, commit your way to the Lord. Our commitment is is important to God. Committing our way to the Lord includes going to God in prayer, taking our problems to the foot of the cross, and leaving our problems there with God. Committing our way to the Lord includes seeking his presence, placing our problems in his hands, and then trusting God's will and his timing. Step number six, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Hard to do. God gave us two ears and one mouth. We should listen twice as much as we talk. And this is especially true in our relationship with God. Most of us, including me, could listen to God a lot more. And if we did, our lives would be better. Number seven, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. We all get angry. Jesus got angry, so it's not, that's, that's not the issue. The Apostle Paul gives us two helpful commands about dealing with anger we all feel at times. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not allow anger to lead us to do or say harmful things. And let go of each day's anger before bed at night. If we sincerely desire God to help us uh, to obey two command, these two commands, then we can ask for and receive God's help. Psalms 116, 1 through 9. I love the Lord for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. And I just want to say, I threw this, this verse just kind of was one of those times when you know you're struggling and you don't know what to read and you kind of like open up the book and point well one morning I did that I opened up the book and I pointed and this is the this is the chapter and verse that came up Psalms 116 1 through 9 I love the Lord for he heard my voice he heard my cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious, gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to rest my soul. For the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. We're going to start to wrap this up with the last video clip. Um, This one's a little bit longer than the first one. And this kind of, I guess, to sum this up is to say that if we are faithful to do kind of what I've Blown through and talked about real fast this morning on how to deal with the issues and, and make sure that we go to God. This can be, and of course, this is a movie, but this can be the result of our faithfulness towards God.
0: I got something to say. David shields Don't you ever let anyone tell you that you're under par, second rate. inferior. I just watched God do a miracle through you. I saw a field of giants, 85 of them to be exact, fall in defeat. Now you tell me what's impossible with God. Nothing, coach. Zach? I just watched you and the offense do what they said could not be done. Now you tell me what's impossible with God. Nothing, coach. Bruh, how about it? Built that stone wall, didn't you? And it stood. Now you tell me what's impossible with God. Nothing, Coach. How about it, Scott? What's impossible with God? Nothing. Are you sure? Because those giants are big. They outnumber numbers three to one. Are you sure there's nothing impossible with God? I'm sure, Coach. How about it, Nathan? What's impossible with God? Nothing, Coach. Jonathan? Nothing. Are you positive? Positive, Coach. So am I. So am I. God can do whatever he wants to do, however he wants to do it. And he chooses to work in our lives because he loves us, because he's good. Hope today is a milestone for what he can do for the rest of your life, if you trust him. And we spend some time thanking him. Just walked in this house. Couldn't be the state champion coach Grant Taylor, could it? Cause he's not supposed to live here. He's supposed to be out looking for a job. Guy did it, Brooke. He did it. He gave me this job. Provided for our needs. Took away my fear. He throws in a state championship just because he can. It's been one of the best days of my life. The day's not over yet. What do you mean? Grant Taylor, I just want you to know that you've made the team. What team? The daddy team. We're gonna have a baby. We're gonna have a baby. (sighs) Now tell me, Coach Taylor. Tell me what's impossible when God's on your side.
1: The Bible teaches us that we're going to suffer in many ways, and when we suffer, let us remember three important principles. If we are faithful, God is present, even when he seems far away. God's timing is perfect, even when he appears catastrophically late. And number three, during our times of suffering, the most important thing to do is to keep our faith and trust in God. If you have been suffering as of late, I hope that this message has been uplifting to you.
0: Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com.